are starting a new series today entitled The Missing Peace because many of us are missing peace in our lives. Uh, today we're going to start out with how to find peace when we are in difficult times. We're also going to talk over the next few weeks about how to find peace when people drive me crazy, how to find peace when I'm waiting on God, and how to find peace when I'm disappointed with God. And if none of that applies to you, I can't help you, okay? I just can't. Uh, we live in a time when we're looking for peace, and uh, if you grab the outline that's in front of you, that's inside of your little worship guide when you came in, uh, you'll find this written at the top. We live in a fallen world where everybody wants peace, but nobody knows where to find it. And that's where you and I are. We live in a world like that where everybody's looking for peace. We just don't know where to find it. In fact, in Romans 3.12, it says, all have turned away, all have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. They don't know where to find peace. I mean, that's the world in which we live. And some people are trying to find peace through money. If I have plenty of money, then I'll have peace. But I can't guarantee what the stock market's going to do tomorrow, neither can you. Well, if I have lots of friends and I'm really popular, well, what happens when relationships fall apart or people move away or loved ones die? Then where do I find peace? Well, if my health is good. Oh, yeah, that pandemic thing. Um, you see how it goes. Or, or this one. What, what if my football team doesn't... Oh, too soon? Too soon? Hey, don't go there. Don't go there. We laugh about it because it's true. I mean, how some college kids play on a football field on a Saturday can wreck my whole weekend if I let it. But that's not what the Scripture teaches us. The Scripture says, hey, if I'm going to find peace, man, i got to trust in the Lord. Here's what's good. Jesus told his disciples... This. But first, let me read you one other passage here because I thought it was so interesting. Isaiah 57, 20. Those who reject me, the Lord is speaking here, are like rest, the restless sea, which is never still but continually turns up mud and dirt. There's no peace for the wicked, says my God. Jesus said in opposition to that, he told his disciples, look, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen here. I'm going to be mistreated, brutally beaten. I'm going to die. I'm going to place into. I'm going to rise again on the third day, and I'm going to ascend to heaven. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'm going to come get you. Now I'm telling you all this ahead of time, because your sorrow is going to be great. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. In this world, you're going to have many troubles, but I've overcome the world. And so the reason we come and we sing on Sunday mornings, we gather for worship. The reason that we look at God's word as we're studying here this morning is. We want God to fix our minds on him so we can find peace in him because Jesus is the prince of peace. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, today we're going to talk about finding peace in a world where people are just not finding it anywhere. People are looking everywhere. If I have just this amount of security or just this amount of health or just this amount of beauty or just this many friends or just this amount of success, and all of it tumbles down eventually. But, Lord, you never fail. You never change. Lord, you're the source of love and hope and truth and light and goodness. Lord, you will never fail us. And so, God, this morning I'm asking that during our time together you would help us fix our thoughts on you. On you. Because we want peace. If you would like the Lord to speak to you, if you could use some peace this morning. I don't know how you're coming here this weekend. You might have had the best week in your life or the hardest week. I don't know. But if you could use some peace in your life today, 
just silently, right where you are, would you say, Lord, please speak to me and grant me peace. Lord, I pray that you will speak and you will move me out of the way and give us peace. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, point B summarizes what I just prayed about here. We can and will experience peace when we learn to trust God and keep our thoughts focused on him. Not on our bank accounts, not on our problems, not on our future, and not on our past. You focus on any of those things, get fixated on those things, man, it's not long before your whole emotional life and your spiritual life can feel like we're in a tailspin. Listen to this verse, Isaiah 26.3. This is the key for the day. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. That's Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. Now, it's interesting here, this word peace that I've highlighted there is just the word shalom. You may have heard that before. Um, it's a Hebrew word. Shalom means peace. Peace is it's translated in English as peace. It means completeness, soundness, well-being, security, tranquility, serenity. In fact, a few years ago when, uh, well, I guess it's more than a few now, but a number of years ago when my wife and I were in Israel, we'd meet people on the street, and it was so fascinating to me. People would greet each other that way. Shalom, shalom. They would wish each other peace, God's peace, God's tranquility, God's security, God's well-being. What's even more interesting is in that verse that I read, Isaiah 26.3, it says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. And if you read that, I I went back and looked up how it's written in Hebrew, the ancient Hebrew, the original language, and the way what's translated perfect peace, the way the Hebrews would write something that we really want to emphasize it, they just repeat it twice. So you will keep in peace, peace, all who trust in you. Shalom, shalom. That's how it's literally written. And I was thinking about that. You know, have I experienced something like that in my life? Yeah, and it's like a while back uh, last year, Debbie and I went up to Denver. Our youngest son, Graham, lives up there. He and his wife, Ashton, and they, they have this ice cream place. Says, you got to go. It's a place called Sweet Cow, and they make this amazing ice cream. you got to go there and get an ice cream cone. And so I was asking, well, what's the best flavor? And my, my son was going, oh, Dad, you love, you know, like this mocha chocolate you got to get. My daughter-in-law was saying, well, you need the peanut butter fudge. And since I don't want to cause problems, I got both, okay? So, you know. <laughs> So I got a scoop of the mocha, chocolate mocha and the peanut butter fudge on top of each other in this cone, and it was uh, just delightful to eat. I ate one scoop of the ice cream. It was delicious. I ate the second scoop, and it was delicious. And so I would describe that cone as delicious, delicious, or perfectly delicious. I mean, it's everything I like all in one cone. Well, how would I go about getting peace like that? How would I get a double scoop of completeness and well-being together with a scoop of security, tranquility, and serenity? How do I get all that? The Bible says well, there's only one place. Now, if you want to go get the ice cream like that, go to Sweet Cow. Oh, you want to get peace. It comes this way. You will keep in peace, peace, shalom, shalom, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So, working together with like a whole bunch of commentaries and stuff, 
I was trying to put into a definition of what would perfect peace look like if I was actually trying to live that way. And I think it would work like this. Perfect peace would be, or shalom, shalom, would be calm assurance that God is working and he is doing what is best. And you could put in my life. Perfect peace is calm assurance that God is working, even when I don't see him. And that he's doing what's best, even though it doesn't seem like it. Because then I can have peace in any circumstance. Whether I see him working or not, and whether I think the circumstances are going my way or not. Because I trust in him. So let me unpack that for you here. God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in him. That's the first part of the statement. Well, that's the first statement. Paul talked about this in 2 Thessalonians 3, 16. He said, now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. Following Jesus does not mean you're going to have an easy street to walk in your life. In fact, that's why he told his disciples, I'm telling you all this because in this world you're going to have lots of trouble. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So if I'm going to have peace then I need to trust in him. Listen to David, Psalm 3 and, and Psalm 4. Picked a, picked a couple of verses out of those two. They're back to back. I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. In peace, I will lay down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. And you go, well, that's nice, and I'm sure... David could trust in the Lord because God blessed David. I mean, I know he was a king of Israel and he killed a giant, so I'm sure David had a, a luxurious life and everything was fine. Sure, it was easy for him to trust in God and for God to give him peace. And if you thought that, you may understand that, but you don't understand at all when those two psalms were written. Psalm 3 and Psalm 4 were both written when David was running for his life from his son Absalom, who had taken over Jerusalem and was now hunting his dad to kill him. And when David said, I lay down and sleep with 10,000 soldiers surrounding me on every side, that wasn't a metaphor. I mean, that was literally true. David was running for his life from his own son. You go, well, John, I don't know how you can, I mean, it's fine you're talking about peace, but i got family problems. You don't have that kind of family problems, I hope. I hope you don't have somebody who's hired 10,000 soldiers to literally hunt you down and kill you. That's what was literally happening. Well, John, I got job problems. You don't have that kind of job problems. In fact, that's the reason, one of the reasons we turn to Scripture is Scripture doesn't deny reality. It gives us examples of people who faced it head on because the Lord was with them. And they knew in all things they could trust him. How'd you sleep, David? I slept well. David, your son's trying to kill you. He took over the palace. You're running for your life. Yeah, I know. The Lord called me to this. The Lord's going to protect me. Man, I want that kind of trust. Because then I can find peace in my circumstances when things aren't going the way I think they should go either. Here's an important note. Peace isn't found in the absence of problems. It's found in the presence of God. P 
Peace is not found in the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of God. I'd like for us to read this statement out loud, please. Peace isn't found in the absence of problems, but in the presence of God. Man, if I'm going to find peace, if I keep waiting for that day when everything lines up and there's nothing wrong, that day may never come. When the disciples were learning about Jesus, they experienced an amazing miracle. Let me read it to you from Mark chapter 4. Jesus one day said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. It was the Sea of Galilee. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat. It began to fill with water. And Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Well, the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care we're going to drown? Actually, it would be like, teacher, don't you care we're going to drown? I mean, because it was storming. There would have been some urgency to it. And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped. There was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you still, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I mean, it was just incredible to Jesus. His disciples had seen him multiply a little boy's lunch to feed thousands. They had seen him heal the sick. They had seen him cast out demons. They'd seen all this. And he said, well, why don't you trust me? And if I look at that story, I'm just like them. Man, there are problems here. It could be a financial problem, a health concern, a relational issue. It seems like my whole life is getting tossed and turned. I'm in the boat. And I'm going, where's, where's the Lord in this? God, you've got to be asleep. Don't you care? And then the very next day, there'll be an answer to prayer. And I'll be like, the Lord's reminding me. He's like, seriously? You still don't believe that I hear prayer? You still don't believe that my way is best? I mean, the two scoops of peace, of serenity, and completeness, and wholeness come when I trust that God is working. And he's doing what's best. And that's what the disciples had to learn. And that's why that story is recorded for us. Psalm 112, 7, they will have no fear of bad news. It's talking about right, the righteous, people who trust in the Lord. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. I want to be like that. Because I don't know if you've noticed this lately. We seem to live in a day of bad news. Has anybody else discovered this? in a day with bad news. You wake up in the morning and the first thing that hits you is, good morning, here are all the horrible things that happened while you were asleep. Oh my gosh. And then you got people that are sending out angry tweets and then there's somebody who is, there's a problem and then the bills come and it's like, oh my goodness. How am I ever going to find peace? Well, first of all, I have to trust in him. God's working even if I don't see it, and his way is best, even if it doesn't feel like it. Two scoops. Secondly, God will keep in perfect peace all those whose thoughts are fixed on him. Not 
on my resources, not on my abilities. As I said before, not on the things that I wish I would have done better in the past or the things that are coming at me in the future. None of that. When my thoughts are fixed on him, and you can write in the word focused if you want to. That's why in Romans 8 it says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, well, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind, well, that leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I mean, this is our journey as Christians, is learning to surrender every single part of our lives, every single thought, every attitude, every habit, every problem, surrendering that to the Lord and asking the Holy Spirit to come and fill us and provide us with the wisdom, with the giftings, with the solutions, with the peace we need. It's the reason, again, when we gather for worship that we want to encourage each other and help each other and pray for each other. Because this is a battle for our minds. In fact, that's the next note here. The battle for peace is always a battle for my mind. And who wants to get my mind disturbed? The devil. I mean, the one thing he wants Christians to be doing is he wants us to be chasing, running on treadmills of constant worry, anxiety, and fear. I mean, if you look at what the Holy Spirit produces in our life, the fruit that God wants to produce in our life, it's love and joy and peace. And what the devil would love for us to experience is fear and anxiety and worry. I'm glad nobody said amen on that one, okay? (laughs) But it's true. And so my whole life can be just all wrapped up in all these problems that I have because I'm focusing on this. And the Lord says, no, I want you to focus on me. Keep your mind fixed on me. Because I can solve problems. I have unlimited power. I know the answer to puzzles you can't even fathom. I've been alive forever. I always will be. I made the whole place. I made you. With that in mind, now listen to Philippians 4.8. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, and then the God of peace will be with you. God of peace will be with you just like he is with me, but you can't be thinking about all the negative things in the world and all the negative things in your life. Keep your mind focused on what's true. So there are three things we can do that will help us do that. They'll help us experience God's peace. First of all, we can limit our intake of worldly thinking. I mean, that means turning this thing off. Paul wrote about this in Romans 12. We didn't write about social media or cell phones, but he did write about this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, and then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Well, the first step in that is to not let ourselves be squeezed into the mold the world wants us to be in. The world wants us constantly to be agitated. That's how you get more clicks. If you scare people and get them anxious and get them angry and get them worried, well, then I'm going to read more. 
I mean, this is what the world wants. This is how you get ad subscriptions, how you make money, and how you get to be famous. Or by being more raunchy or more shocking or more disturbing than anybody else. But we don't live like that. In fact, we want our mindset on the things that are true. Ephesians 4, Paul talks about the same thing. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. They're hopelessly confused. Remember, they don't know where to find peace. It's like they're churning up mud. They don't know what they're doing. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure. They eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that's not what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old nature and throw your, and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit, here's the Holy Spirit again, this is the key, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Here's the wonderful news. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins in full. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen? Jesus then told his disciples, I will ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit to you. He'll be in you. He'll transform you from the inside out. He will change the way you think. He'll help you get rid of all those habits that you never could get rid of on your own. He'll give you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, if that's good news to you, would you say amen? And I'm preparing a place for you in heaven so that when you die, you don't even need to worry about that. It'll all be ready, and I'm going to soon come and get you. If that's good news, would you say amen? amen? And so when we worry about all the things that our world wants us to worry about, we're not focused on the right things, and we have to limit our input. Secondly, it goes right along with this, flip side of the coin, we need to spend time each day meditating on what God's Word says because this is truth. Before Jesus was crucified, right before he was crucified, in John 17, the night before, he was praying for his disciples, and he said, I'm coming to you, Father. And he's speaking about his disciples here. He said, I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they'd be filled with my joy. I've given them your Word. And the world hates them because they don't belong to the world. They're not buying in on what the world's selling. And when you and I refuse to do that, there are a lot of people who are going to become really irritated with us because we're not playing the game right. You're supposed to worry. You're supposed to be miserable. You're supposed to be angry all the time about something. But I pray for them so they'll be filled with joy. I've given them your word. The world hates them because they don't belong to the world, just as I don't belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to this world any more than I do. And listen to this. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. This is why it's so important to read our Bible, every, Bibles every day and write down a few thoughts of what the Lord says to you. I was so encouraged just Friday. Young woman, 14 years old, came uh, to see me together with her mom and dad, and she said, I want to get baptized. And I said, well, why do you want to get baptized? Well, I've given my life to Jesus. I've seen a lot of people get baptized, and I've given my heart to Jesus, and I want to follow him, and I want people to know that. I walked through, what does it mean to you? And she said, well, it means to me that my sins have been paid for in full. 
means to me that God's going to change me from the inside out. She said, we've talked about the Holy Spirit here. I feel the Holy Spirit's working in my life. He's changing me. I asked her, are you afraid to die? And she goes, no. One day when I die, God's going to take me home. They'll give me a brand new body. They'll never die again. I said, wow. Have you seen God working in your life? And she goes, oh, yeah. Actually, she said, oh, yes, sir, which really warmed my heart. Anyway, but she said, no. I, I, and I, she said, one of the things that's been so great for the last couple of years, um, I've been reading my Bible, and I have a journal. And I've been writing down a few things every day, what God says to me. And when I get discouraged, I go back and I read my notes. And uh, God reminds me that I need to think the way he wants me to think. And then I have peace. She's 14. I said, when did you start doing this? She said, back when I was young. <laughs> like 12. <laughs> I love that. Do you know that that's what Jesus wants for every one of us? A double scoop of peace, wholeness, well-being, tranquility, soundness. I can sleep at night, even when my football team loses, even when my health isn't good, even when there's problems in my family, even when I'm scared to death about the future. I will trust in you, Lord, because you, O oh Lord, will keep me safe. My thoughts are fixed on you. I've got your promises on this. We need to limit our intake of false thinking. We need to increase our intake of truth. And finally, we need to pray. Oh, by the way, Psalm 119, 165. You've got to mark this verse. Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. Hmm. Who read that one out loud? Those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble because we're feeding on the truth. The Bible is our guide in all matters of faith and practice here. That's what we mean, and that's why. Thirdly, you and I can bring all of our cares together with praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, and then we'll find peace. I read to you Philippians 4, um, you know, 8 and 9 just a minute ago. Let me now read a couple of verses in front of that. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. And that's key. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, and his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If we present our request to God along with thanksgiving, and the thanksgiving part is key, because otherwise what can happen is our prayers to God can just be a laundry list of problems, and it really comes out kind of like a rant. Lord, I'm here to pray again today. Lord, my knee hurts. It's been hurting for a long time. It still hasn't gotten better. You're not doing anything about it. And Lord, my next door neighbor is driving me crazy. I can't stand her. And Lord, I need problems with my finances. I got bills to pay. I'm not sure where this is all going to come from. And Lord, I still don't have an answer to that thing that I was praying about five years ago. God, I'm miserable. Amen. Don't you all just feel a peace? There's no peace. It was a rant. Now look, am I supposed to bring my request to God? Well, of course we are. With thanksgiving. Lord, my next door neighbor is driving me crazy. But Lord, I prayed for this house where I live in, and I know you led me to this neighborhood. So Lord, you're obviously going to teach me something out of this. You're going to do something good. 
So I thank you for the house, and I thank you for bringing me here, but now would you show me what to do with it? Because I'm confused. Lord, my knee still hurts. And when I lean into that, I'm, first of all, I'm praying, Lord, you'll heal the knee. I, the pain is driving me crazy. But Lord, I thank you that you have a brand new body in, in heaven waiting for me. And Lord, I don't need to worry about that. One day this will all be gone. And Lord, I want to thank you for all the years of health I've enjoyed in the past and how many times you've rescued me from sickness in the past. So I'm not going to worry about this today if you give me the help to rise above my circumstances. And Lord, I'm worried about my finances. But Lord, I want to thank you for the money I do have. I want to thank you for how you've bailed me out of scrapes in the past. And I don't want to forget that. So even as I ask this, Lord, I need your help with my finances. And I give you thanks for what you've done in the past. Do you understand how that changes our attitude completely? My knee still hurts. Money's still short. The next door neighbor might still be a jerk. But you know what's different? I am. This is God's will for you and me. Peace, peace. Delicious, delicious. Two scoops. Mmm. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge the Lord as God. He made us. We're his. We're his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. And that, the reason I put Psalm 100 in there is because it reminds us when we go to the Lord in prayer, yeah, let's bring a request, but let's enter with praise and thanksgiving. Otherwise, we're going to forget who we're talking to. Because Jesus died on the cross, paid our penalty, the penalty of our sins in full, we can boldly enter the throne room of heaven anytime we want. And we're going to do that right now, this morning, right now. I want you to have in your head uh, one thing that's on your mind where you go, man, this is something I'd love to have an answer to right now. I need the Lord's help. And before we pray about that, we're first of all going to have a prayer of thanksgiving. So I need you to pray with me. Will you pray with me, please? I'm going to, ask, I'm going to thank God for a bunch of things, and then we're going to make that one request. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son Jesus to give me life, to give me forgiveness, and to give me a place in your family. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to guide me and empower me in my daily life. Heavenly Father, would you open my eyes so I can see your greatness and your majesty and your victory on my behalf? Thank you, Lord, for all the ways you've helped me and intervened on my behalf in the past. Thank you, Lord, for your plan for my life, for creating me with a high purpose in mind and for giving me a sense of worth. Thank you for loving me unconditionally and never leaving me or forsaking me no matter what I do. Thank you for being there at all the moments of my life, both the rough and the smooth. And thank you for bringing me through those moments to a place of maturity and deeper faith. Thank you for your living word that strengthens and empowers me. Thank you for enabling me to rise out of discouragement and walk in joy. Thank you for lifting me up when I fall. Thank you for making all things work together for good as I place my trust in you. And thank you for keeping me in perfect peace when my mind is fixed on you. Now, Lord, with all that thanksgiving, we also make a request, just like Paul said. So now, in a moment of silence, would you pray about the one burden on your heart that you desperately want an answer from God about? One person, one need, one thing. Lord, I need your help.
Oh, Lord, we thank you that you're always more ready to listen than we are to pray. We thank you, Lord, you know better than we do what we need to pray for and how we need to say it. But, Lord, we are certain that we need to do a better job of thanking you along with our requests. Would you remind us of this every day? Oh, God, I pray your peace upon everyone who's gathered here today. A double portion. Shalom, shalom. Keep our eyes fixed on you, Jesus. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.